Hey everyone, I'm Brenda and I'm Julia, and you're listening to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Your 20s are known as both the most exciting and most confusing years of your life. We're here to share our stories, to have real and raw conversations, and best of all, to make you feel a little less alone. This podcast was brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Roaring Twenties Podcast. Today we have on with us Amy White. We are so excited. Amy is an international best-selling author. She's a highly sought-after speaker and intuitive medium, and she's on a mission to help individuals heal their past, discover their personal truths, and thrive. Thank you so much for being here, Amy. We're so happy to have you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Thanks. Oh, we're so excited. So Amy, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, where you're from, and if you don't mind saying how old you are. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Give a general. You can give a general. (laughs) No, no worries. I, um, well, I am an intuitive medium, a psychic uh, channeler. I also do energy healing work, but that isn't all of who I've been. I actually spent decades working in the corporate America in technology. So I've made a big shift over the last uh, 10 years or so from, you know, this very left brain uh, way of being Mm -hmm. to this very right brain way of being. So let's see, I am located right now in Southern California and I am 49 years old. Amazing. Awesome. And we and we ask how old people are because like so much in our 20s we're so like stuck on this kind of vision of path and where we need to be at a certain age. So I'm excited a little later to get into like your shift from your first career to this career because I think a lot of times we like put ourselves in a box and we're like, "Well, I have to have it figured out at 25." And yep. <laughs> not true. Not true at all. So we'll definitely It is go. definitely not true. <laughs> Thank God. See? And yeah, she knows. Go. She's the intuitive Medium, yeah. so we trust, her. we trust her. She knows all. <laughs> so, Amy, if you don't mind, break it down for us. What is an intuitive medium? So, an intuitive medium is someone who uses intuition, uses their connection to their inner knowing, their inner being. There's so many different words for it. Um, but it, to me, it's a connection to an energy source that is both inside of myself and outside of me that has all of the wisdom of the universe contained. And so, being able Able to tap into the wisdom of the universe allows me to channel through messages, information, guidance, coaching to people who are looking for another way forward. You know, mm-hmm. some people who can't really see, you know, sometimes they say like you can't see the forest for the trees, right? When it's when it's your experience, often it's hard to pinpoint what are the things that might be blocking my path forward? Why aren't my dreams coming true? What's next for me? And so by being able to tap into the universal wisdom, but also the wisdom that exists within the collective. And when I'm working one-on-one, it's the wisdom that already exists within the client themselves, I can help to bring forward that information that might be needed to help them to pivot on their path. The mediumship side of it is a little bit different in that focuses on connecting to loved ones who've crossed over. So I can also connect into that uh, energy as well and connect what I would like to call the physical world, right? The person who's here in the physical with those souls who are now in the non-physical And through that can come a lot of clarity and healing and closure for the client. And it actually is really beautiful because energetically, when a client connects to a soul who's crossed over to the non-physical, the healing goes in both directions. So... Yeah, that. it's yeah. really gorgeous. It's yeah, so never thought about so it. humbling <laughs> to yeah. be able to do that. Yeah. Oh my god! I mean, it is beautiful, and I, I have so many questions for you, Amy. I <laughs> love this stuff, and I'm like so excited to learn about it from someone firsthand. When did you notice that you had this kind of gift to tap into a deeper understanding of the universe and connect with people that have crossed over? What did that kind of look like when you first discovered it? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a complex um, story. Only because I I really knew from a very young age that I knew things that I didn't quite know how I knew them. Mm -hmm. And I 
felt a connection to, to, I don't even want to say souls that have crossed over that were in my primary space because I was very blessed with having my family, even grandparents and great grandparents in my life until I was in high school. So, but, but I did sense that there was something else, other, you know, other um, entities that were there that were trying to communicate through me. I was also brought up in a very um, conservative religious family. And so early on, and I don't really even know if it was that I was starting to show this, you know, sort of gift or or what the genesis of the story was, but I was I was definitely conditioned to believe that doing this type of communication was wrong. It was bad. It was, you know, evil even. And so there was a lot of fear that was put into me that, um, you know, if I were to, you know, connect in this way, I would be bringing bad things into the family. And so even as I got into my, you know, into my 20s and I was working in my corporate job and I started to really recognize that I still had this ability to know things that I wasn't sure how I knew, but that I trusted it enough to act on them. And so often when I was in that corporate role, I always said, I have this really great gut sense. I can mm-hmm. you know, feel something, make a decision really quickly and move on it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I kind of just chalked it up to that. I'm like, okay, I'm just, I'm really connected and intellectually can figure things out quickly. But then as I got later into my twenties, it became more and more obvious that there was something else going on. But I really resisted it. As I was saying, you know, the stories I was told as a child created this big block for me to want to move into that type of work. But then two really pivotal things happened for me. The first was that I started a side hustle while I was working my corporate job doing coaching. And I found that I loved to work one-on-one with people to help them to sort through whatever they were going through, mostly for purposes of like, how do I get to the next level of my career? Or how do I start my own business? Or, you know, those types of things. But I realized that I knew things about the clients that I didn't know how I knew, but that I could use that information to direct the coaching. And so it really made the whole process interesting and really cool. And the clients were always like, well, how did you know that? (laughs) You know, you know, I had it, you know, I had a whatever, death in my family when I was younger. And that actually created the story that I'm now telling myself that's stopping me from, you know, moving forward in my life. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was really a time that I, I came face to face with it. And then it actually then started to unfold years over years because I was having to come into, you know, better alignment with, am I willing to risk the story that I've been telling myself about this being a bad thing Mm -hmm. with how I felt pulled or even called to doing more and more of that work. And then about 15 or 20 years ago now, my grandmother passed away and we were very, very close. She was one of my best friends and I just, you know, I just loved her so much. And so when she passed very shortly after, I started to notice that I felt her around me in like very visceral ways, like driving in my car and all of a sudden going, oh my gosh, like she, I know she's sitting in the seat yeah. next to me. Ooh, you, you know, I would smell her perfume. I would hear her words in my head, but it felt so organic and natural and comfortable and it wasn't scary. Right. And it really, so I really like, I just think she was the, you know, she crossed over and then she was like, okay, it's time. Oh, you know, I'm you know? <laughs> you can't keep it shut anymore. <laughs> she was a huge catalyst for it. Wow. And so as I became more and more comfortable with, the communication that I had with her, I noticed that in my coaching sessions, loved ones who were in non-physical would start to show up in those sessions as well. And I was still in this place of not being very confident to say, and and really concerned about what people might think if I, you know, were to say, your dad is standing behind me kind of conversation. And so I still kept it quiet, but yet it was it began to happen more and more mm-hmm. um, as I allowed very slowly, very organically the the information and the the souls to connect through. So it's been it really has been a path for me to yeah. and then and then all along sitting with my own belief systems, starting to clear out the you know the fear or the worry 
that, you know, both that I was going to somehow create chaos with this work, but also that I would be okay to start to talk about this in a much more public way. Like I knew it was coming, I could feel it for myself. And yet there was still resistance to like, what will people think? Yeah. You know, and I always, I was always with everything. I know. Thing. We stop ourselves so much. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It can be a really hard thought to to deal with and especially I'm sure in your space although this is something we absolutely believe in and support and think is so powerful and are continuously excited to learn more and more I'm sure that some people do often meet you with resistance so how do you kind of well I guess my first question is being that you felt that type of resistance prior to this with people in your family who was the first person you told about your gifts oh that's a great question Uh, The first person that I told actually was a coaching client of mine and she had been a long-term client. And Mm -hmm. so as my coaching practice started to grow after I left my corporate job, I, I started my coaching business and I started to pull tarot cards before every coaching session, really just for me to get, um, I always ask the, you know, source of the universe to give me a baseline of where the person was as they were coming into a meet a session with me so that I could know where to start. You know, if you've ever, if you've ever done any kind of coaching or therapy, it's often like you spend the first few minutes talking over everything that, you know, you've already talked about. And I wanted to kind of cut to the chase. So, you know, I would get into it. uh, Right. And so I would be able to lead the conversation with that. Here's where, you know, here's where I'd like to start the session today. And it was always spot on. And each time that I did it and, and the client responded positively, then it validated, okay, Again, I'm growing my confidence as I'm doing this work. So at the end of a session with one of my clients, I said, by the way, you know, I pulled tarot cards for you ahead of the session. And she was like, well, what did they say? And so I did like a little five, six minute, you know, uh, download of what, of what the reading was from the tarot cards. And she said to me, and these are the most pivotal words I've ever heard in all of my life. Well, why aren't you doing this work? Wow. And I was like, um yeah <laughs> you're like oh, you're right you got me. I have to be doing that <laughs> well we were talking yeah. to someone recently and she was saying like we asked her about you know advice for uh, someone in their 20s who hasn't really found their passion yet and she's like listen to what people are telling you you're good at like yes. just listen to what they're telling you that you're good at and if it's like communication you can find something in that way or yeah. if you're you know really good at helping people with their confidence you can find something in that way and it's like so yes. interesting that the like the people around us and the universe oftentimes is telling us it's just are we ready to listen exactly exactly and I remember thinking the answer to my question to the question in my head was well because I'm scared you know and then of course that awareness opened everything up for me and in a very short period of time I I started to talk more and more about doing intuitive coaching Mm -hmm. and people started showing up it faster than I even had imagined because, you know, the combination of like intuition and coaching really was intriguing to people. Oh yeah. Yeah. And they go hand in hand. And I feel like it's like, why wouldn't you, if someone has an extra skill, like why wouldn't you want to get that? If you can help me faster, like I'll sign up for that. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. I I have a couple questions kind of based on everything that we just talked about. When you, going back a little bit more to like the beings that have crossed over yeah I know you said for your grandmother you felt her how do you usually get those messages from that people Mm -hmm. is it just a feeling do you ever see anything I'm so curious yeah so it's 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 actually there's two different ways and generally when I'm not in a session and and I I guess I'll just uh, say here that when I decided to do mediumship as a professional aspect of my role, mm-hmm. I made, I, I, I signed a contract sort of with, with source. And I said, if I'm going to do this work, I want to be able to do it in a way that I'm not walking around the planet and everybody's dead people are coming up to me or, or right. Um, yeah. And, and because I said, I just, I don't want to live my life that way. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, and so when it's I call like my people. So when the, my loved ones who've crossed over visit, I actually first sense them like a breeze. 
like it's just it feels like a breeze passing through me and then it gives me the like oh and then I immediately know who it is and it just it just in my head like it just pops in I don't normally see see them though there there are times and in readings where I've seen I would say it's more in my mind's eye than in like somebody standing there but I can just I mean I can see them in my mind to the point where I can describe what they look like yeah and or what they look like you know at certain ages of their life so whatever the whatever the soul wants to show me and how they want to validate themselves sometimes um souls don't mind the contract and I will be Mm -hmm. somewhere and all of a sudden have the breeze feeling and then Mm -hmm. go okay I know someone's here and then if I choose to do a little bit more connecting in to find out who they are, I can do that. And sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. Yeah, That's so interesting. I was going to ask you about yeah. that. Like if there was a kind of, for lack of a better words, like on-off switch. Yeah, I was going to ask you. Yeah. Because yes. I can imagine, I mean – I'm like an empath and that's like the like the hardest thing ever so I can yes. only imagine like that gift like being very hard to bear sometimes if you're not ready to take it, it on exactly and it can and especially being an empath you know and for me a recovering over giver mm. um that you know there was you know a part that, of yeah. me right right hey you know there was a part of me at one time that would have felt some kind of responsibility or obligation to handle every soul yeah. that comes through. And I actually, when I first started it, I, I set up, and it's going to sound funny, but it works so great for me, is I set up a waiting room. Mm. And, you know, so there's this waiting room that souls who want to come through that, that I'm not doing a, a session with a client, they can go into the waiting room. And then if I choose, I could go and select a soul to do some work with. Um, I generally don't, I'll be honest, I don't usually go to the waiting room, but it gives me that, again, that boundary and that separation. Definitely. So it's really helpful. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes too, where usually when, you know, I'll say the soul doesn't mind the boundary is when I'm speaking to someone and usually someone that I've met, you know, a stranger, somebody at a coffee shop or in an Uber, and they start to talk to me about somebody in their life who's passed away. Mm -hmm. And then immediately that soul shows up. So, and again, I get, but it's because of the boundary, I get to choose whether I'm going to deliver a message through in that moment or just say, nope, this, I'm not the right channel for this conversation. Um, And I've done both. You would be maybe not surprised how many Uber drivers have had readings. (laughs) (laughs) You're too kind. (laughs) But, you know, but I always check in with my own guidance system and I say, is this something that I need to do? Is there an urgency here for this information to be delivered? And if not, then usually I I won't do it. That's that's Um, really, really cool, I guess, for lack of a better word, just because I think so much, so many of us struggle with setting boundaries in general and for such mm-hmm. a gift that you have that a lot of people, which this will go into our next question, but, you know, don't know much about or aren't aware of or don't know how to tap into or any of those things. It's, I think it's really powerful that you've set those boundaries for yourself because that, that's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, um, it is, but it's been so awesome because as I was able to set boundaries sort of between the physical and non-physical, it helps me so much in the physical to set boundaries with people wow. who are alive and, you know, walking the planet. Yeah. So it's like, really been a gift. I can do it with the living. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> but so that's sort of my personal experience. But then when I'm in a session with a client mm-hmm. and the intention is to connect, it's very much like dialing a telephone. Like I speak to the client. Often clients will come to me with somebody that they really want to connect with. Sometimes a client will say, you know, just tell me who's around. But either way, it's I dial it up in my, you know, mind. And it's not even something that I think about so much, but that's how I can describe it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the connection goes through. And then I can, you know, and again, I don't see them per se in a, in a physical sight way. Right. But I definitely can see them in my mind. Yeah. And so that's really how the, then the mediumship session will go go with a direct connection to the person or people sometimes it's more than one that the client wants to connect with wow that's so interesting that's so interesting i and feel like i could like i know i have so many questions. questions i'm like not even going off of <laughs> no no questions. ask your question <laughs> 
Amy, I'm curious, what would you say to someone? And again, we totally believe in this and are so deeply curious, but what would you say to someone who who is resistant, like doesn't fully get it, you know, all that stuff? What would you say to them to kind of help show them what this is? Yeah, that's another great question because I even from the very beginning, I felt very strongly that it's not my job to convince somebody Mm. of this work. And so when people meet it with skepticism, I'm like, cool, that's okay. You know, you don't, you don't have to be in the same belief that I'm in. And, Mm. you know, it doesn't make you wrong and you wrong and me right or me wrong and you right. It's just where you are. And that's cool. And then you can you can still be around me as the physical person that I am right in Mm -hmm. my human experience or not. And that's okay, too. Yeah. Um, Very rarely do I get clients that show up that way because when someone's booking a session right there and they're paying for it they're they're at least you know 85 percent on the belief you know of this being something that's actually real and tangible than not um i've had it you know i have had some internet trolls over over the years Uh, who hasn't (laughs) right you know it's funny the first time i was like oh my god i made it you know (laughs) i have a troll but you know, I don't. I actually don't respond yeah. most of the time. Or I'll just say thank you so much for you know sharing your opinion with me. And you know, it's valid. Mm-hmm. It's valid. What you believe is valid. I don't need to convince anybody to believe anything that they don't. It's mm-hmm. just not. It's just not what my calling is. Yeah. You know, it may be different for others, and that's okay too. Like it's just, it's so amazing to be able to have the, you know, be empowered to make the choice how you want yeah. to go and and go along with it. And yeah. for me, pushing against anybody who doesn't believe in the work is a waste of my energy that I would rather be spending in other ways. Yeah, definitely. Wow, that's so cool. This is might be a silly question, but I, I if I don't say now, I'm gonna forget it. When someone comes into a session with you and let's say they have this idea of someone that they want to, to speak with or to hear from or, or for you to connect with, like, do they have that choice or like, does that ever not work? I, I don't know if I'm making sense. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it always works um, it, in my sessions. I've never had a case where we haven't been able to connect, wow. though sometimes the soul isn't ready to share certain that's, bits of yeah, information. Yeah, that's kind of what I was wondering. That's very Yeah. And it's really important, too, to be clear on that. You know, I don't have a crystal ball, and I don't read minds. And Mm -hmm. so I'm only allowed access to the information that I'm allowed access to. And just as I have a boundary, souls have boundaries, too. And so, you know, very often when I do readings around people who've crossed over from suicide, there are are things that they don't don't want to share. and, And I can't make them. There's been a couple of times where where souls have showed up and been pretty quiet. And then there's been other times where a soul will show up and bring somebody else with them. Wow. So for example, um, a child or uh, a young person who's crossed over might actually bring a grandmother through. And the grandmother's the one that wants to have the conversation. Yeah. Um, I also had one time, and this was a death by suicide, where, and there was addiction and there were some other things going on with the person who had crossed over when they were in the physical that they sent an in- intermediary. And so they actually had, if you could picture like a runner, yeah. Right. And so we would ask the question or and then this this other soul would show up and bring the message back and then this other soul. But yet I could still this was the brother of a client and I could but I could still sense that he was there. I could see him, but he was like in the background. And so sometimes that happens. Yeah. I would say very often and it's it's usually the clients and I and I love every client that comes to me and everything that they want is valid but when they'll come and say well just tell me who's around me and then souls show up that are very surprising sometimes i did a reading with somebody who's a a a female showed up and she was young you know like high school age and i was saying to this client like 
she's blonde and, you know, and she's this and her personality I can describe. And the client sat for a few minutes and then she was like, this, I know exactly who that is. It was a girl she had gone to high school with wow. who passed away in high school, like a, a accident of some kind. And, uh, and, and then my client said, you know that I, I add her in my prayers every night. Right. And so of course the soul, but you know, at first she was like, I don't know who this is or why. And then like, as, as the dots started to connect, she was like, of course, you know, and it wasn't anyone that she had come into the session hoping or thinking that she might hear from. Yeah. And often the, the, how do I say the loudest soul or the biggest energy is the one that comes through. So even if the client really wanted to speak to her grandmother if she doesn't specifically say, I want to connect to my grandmother, the larger soul energy that's present is going to be the one that I connect with first. Right. It's right. for whatever reason, that's how it works with right. me. Yeah. That makes yeah. so much sense. Wow. That's amazing. I think it's interesting how a lot of times, like I, maybe, I guess like the media has taught us this, that like the soul is like the, the path, the soul that's passed is like there to just deliver a message, but it's like, oh no, they're still a soul. Like they're still yeah. healing or doing whatever they need to do too. It's so funny how I think when we think about mediums, we're just like, oh, like they're going to channel someone and that person is going to give me a message about like whatever. And I'm mm -hmm. sure that that's true, but like it's interesting to hear that like they're also making their own rules Completely. about them. Right. Well, the soul never dies and, and the soul's main purpose is to evolve. Mm -hmm. And so when the soul is not in physical form, it still is, is evolving. It has different ways of evolution. I mean, some of it is in the, the reviewing of their physical experience and learning what they couldn't learn here you know, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. um, and some of it is that there's other ways that evolution happens for the soul in the non-physical, but it's by, it's bi-directional healing. It's mm -hmm. not, it's not one-sided. In fact, many times I think the soul feels as much relief and closure and gratitude as the client who's, you know, physically present for the session. Wow. wow, that's, that's so interesting. Yeah, that's so and it's not just limited to, to like humans because I've had cases where I've channeled animals and I just did a event uh, down here a month or two ago in San Diego uh, where I channeled horses. Wow. Which was super, super cool. So, I mean, it's like a soul is a soul is a soul, which is also something that we don't necessarily think of when we think of mainstream yeah. you know, mediumship. Definitely. That's so cool. Wow. That's so interesting. And it, being with that, this, these are some different times in our world right now. How, I feel like I'm having many silly questions, but I'll ask them anyway. I'm sure other people have them. How has that impacted you? Like are, this is something that has to happen in person so that you're able to connect. It can be online. You no, know, it's most of it. Most of the work I do is online. So my clients are all over the world. <laughs> Um, very that was rarely. A question too, Amy. Yeah, no. <laughs> I was like, I'm scheduling an appointment Signing right up. when we're done. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I've always done the work online, um, and it's the connection energetically is the same. I mean, energy is wow. energy is energy, so there isn't really a difference. Um, for a couple of years, I had an office um, where I was living in Oakland, California, and that was great. It was great to have people come in face to face, but it wasn't necessary. Yeah. So actually late last year, I, I decided to give the office up because I was still doing predominantly most of my work online. Cool. Wow. Really yeah. cool. Do you think, Amy, that like m many people have an ability to tap in deeper than we think? Or do you think it is like a you are a selected, do you understand what I'm saying? I totally do. <laughs> okay. I am, and, so, and, and honestly, so I believe that everyone has the ability to connect into their own inner knowing. Mm -hmm. And that inner knowing is the infinite knowledge of the universe. So we all have it in us. We can call it all kinds of names, source, universe, intuition, inspiration, love, God, you know, God, energy, Christ, energy. There's so many ways to call it. But at the end of the day, for me, it's that we have infinite wisdom that we are 
fully connected to all the time. And so one of the things that I'm super passionate about is teaching people how to access their inner knowing, how to connect to their intuition. Because I want that course. <laughs> no. it, and it sounds, you know, I've, I've often had colleagues say to me, well, don't you think that if you teach people how to do this, you're going to work yourself out of a job? And I'm like, well, you know, if that's the case, then there's something else for me to be doing in this world. But also, I mean, to me, when I can empower somebody to start to trust themselves first and foremost and their inspiration and their inner knowing, that's awesome. Yeah. And, and, I, and I say this all the time, like I want the people who come to me to eventually be able to not have to go to an intuitive or a healer or a guru for the answers. You can always do that for clarification. I do that for myself. I mean, as we said earlier, like sometimes it's hard for me in my personal journey to see, to see what I need to see for myself. Um, and it's the same for other people, but there's a lot of, I, I tend to, I like to call it your internal GPS, right? Mm -hmm. You have this turn by turn navigation system built into your body, into your soul. Um, I want to teach people how to use that. And yeah. so that we're not so readily giving away our power to so-called experts and gurus and teachers, but that we can use that as, as a way of validating what we already are thinking and feeling and sensing. Yeah. I think the thing about that that probably is the hardest is like trusting your gut and not questioning it because I think we're so conditioned to question that gut feeling and like how do you know when it is a gut feeling and how do you know when it's not? Like I don't know. Right, <laughs> I don't right. Know. Yeah, I actually teach a process in, in my intuition class that um, uses the body as an as the antenna, as the mm -hmm. indicator. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's very simply um, telling yourself a lie and seeing how it sits in your body, and telling yourself a truth and seeing where it shows up in your body. So, for example, and, and I mean that you know that whole gut sense thing is so on on point because I know for me when I'm when I tell myself a lie or an untruth in this practice. I feel my gut immediately tighten, mm -hmm. you know, up. I also have this very interesting thing where my, where my tongue buzzes. <laughs> and, and so, it, you know, but you start to learn, you know, and then on the, on the, the, on the flip side, when I'm practicing the truth, you know, telling myself a truth, I feel my shoulders relax. I feel, you know, my body come into contact with whatever I'm sitting on. And so as you practice and you start to learn, then you can start to more and more, and it's a practice. It doesn't, it's not just a switch flip. Right. You can start to more and more tune into your body and let your body help you to discern, is this my thinking mind making something up because I really desire this outcome? Or is it my heart mind, my soul, giving me information about what's in the highest good for me? Yeah. Wow. That's so powerful. I love that. Oh I want to do that. I know. I think you should, honestly. <laughs> I think I should. We'll sign up for separate things. Amy, <laughs> <laughs> um, what can someone expect from working with you one-on-one? -on -one? Like, what can they expect if they walk into a room or if they sign on to Zoom or wherever it is that they would do? This is the one-on-one -on -one, uh, intuitive medium aspect of things. What can they expect? Like, how would it go? Themselves. Yeah, the truth telling. <laughs> yeah, how does that yeah. work? <laughs> so, um, I mean, every every session is really different, and you know, once I get through my first couple of minutes of kind of instructions and get to know the client a little bit and what they want from the session, what are they looking for um, from the session? I go into a channel channeling state, and I connect with um, a, a group of energy beings that call themselves the Greater Consciousness. And the greater consciousness, which helps me to access my own inner knowing, and it's sort of a, it's a, a co-creation of their guidance and my inner knowing connecting and then tapping into the inner knowing of the client, mm -hmm. um, I, I give them free reign, the greater consciousness, to share whatever information the client needs. So they deliver a message at the very beginning of every session that can be 10 minutes long or 20 minutes long or 40 minutes long. It, it really just depends. Mm -hmm. In that time, um, any question that was posed to me at the very beginning of the session gets answered. And then many, many, many questions mm -hmm. that the client didn't even verbalize get answered. After that, if they're looking to connect into the mediumship aspect of the work that I do, then we will invite in the souls. We'll dial up the souls to 
to be part of the process. Mm -hmm. And even when I'm doing the mediumship work, I have this dual channel connection, both to the soul that we're wanting to speak with, but also to the greater consciousness so that there's a lot of internal dialogue happening as I'm delivering the messages. And many times the greater consciousness will come through to spin what's happening in a way that not only the client is hearing the message that was delivered or the communication from their loved one, but also to help to position it so that they can also use that information in a way that allows them to move forward. So it's really powerful. And then usually there's time for additional questions and answers between, you know, the client and myself or the client and the, and the soul who's crossed over, just depending on. But it's very, you know, I, I never actually know what's going to happen once I get past the first five or six minutes of the, of the call. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Me and Brenda actually switching veins to a little bit of something different that you do. Um, I know you do energy healing as well. Me and Brenda just had an experience with an yeah. energy healer a couple weeks ago. It was amazing. Um, but so cool. how does that work? How is that different from the mediumship work that you do? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's different um, in that when I'm doing energy healing work, um, a lot of it is about channeling energy. So now I'm not channeling the messages. I'm channeling energy ah, from through me to the client. And, and the beautiful thing is I can do it remotely. So I don't have to be physically, you know, with someone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't do a lot. I, I will say I don't do a lot of work with it in mm-hmm. that I don't try to control any aspect of the energy. Even if a client says, you know, I've got this pain here, or I have this old injury, and can you, you know, help to bring some healing in that way? The energy has its own, you know, uh, in, intuition, its mm-hmm. own knowledge. And so I'm just the conduit for the energy that comes through, and it does what it needs to do. Now, I'll also be getting information through from the greater consciousness and my own inner wisdom that says focus the energy on this part of their system. So it could be from an energetic level in the chakra system. It could be physical, you know, organ level. It could be skin level. Um, I worked with somebody uh, recently that had an injury and I kept getting the sense of cool energy, like cooling energies for inflammation. So I'll get some of that information. So I'll be guided to specific areas. But in in my work, I don't have any preconceived notion of what it's going to do. Um, They could say they have a pain in their leg and I could be directed to work on their heart chakra. Yeah, yeah. Um, And so that's, you know, that's often the way that it will go. I am, um, I'm Reiki master teacher certified. So I started my entree into energy healing was through Reiki. um, And I use, I use the concepts of Reiki loosely in the energy healing, but it's so, it's just much more than that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. I have another question, of course. (laughs) Have you ever, through the messages, this is going back because we have to keep circling back. Um, Have you ever had to deliver like, Bad news? Is that a thing? Does, how does that? Oh, good question, Brian. Yeah, that's a great question too. You, you're right on. So I don't really believe in bad news. Mm-hmm. And I also, at least in the work that I do, there, I never get information that says like, don't get in the car on Tuesday mm-hmm. at noon because right. you're going to get, you know, there's going to be a problem. Like I don't portend the future in that way. And so even when I have to deliver a sensitive message, Mm -hmm. I'm given the words to say it in a way that's so full of compassion Mm -hmm. and understanding and helping the client to see that they are seen and heard. Mm -hmm. And so it can be a hard message to deliver, but it can be done with such gentleness and kindness that um, it doesn't really come across that way. Mm -hmm. And most of it is when it's speaking to areas of their life where they're blocking themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, and things that they may not even realize they're doing. But the way that I channel any of the different energies that come through me is that it comes in through feeling. There's some translation system that happens in me. I don't even think about it. And the words come out. And so they're not my, you know, they're not my words in that I'm not, I don't sit and think, 
okay, how do I say this to yeah. somebody? If the words just come through, sometimes I'll actually ask for another way to say it. If, if the words that come through don't feel resonant for whatever reason. And so I'll actually stop the session and just let the client know, I'm just asking for a different way to say this that I think will resonate with you more. And so then they'll, then they'll give me different ways to say it, but I'm not ever in that space of consciously trying to think about what to say and how to say it. Mm -hmm. Also, I very rarely remember most of the sessions. Oh, Um, and so interesting. Yeah. So when I do like, I'll do channeling calls and groups where, um, I'll go back and watch the recording after just because for me, it's almost like hearing it first time yeah. in the moments in, in the moment I can get the gist and the sense of what's being said. But shortly after the, um, the session, I don't, and I, I consciously choose to not retain information. So it's right. like energy hygiene, you yeah. know, to keep clearing things through me because they're not mine, right? They're not, yeah. the, the messages aren't for me. So there's no reason to, hold on to any aspect of them. But a client will come back three or six months later and they'll say, you remember when you told me? And I'm like, and you're like, no, <laughs> you're like, I'm I do not I, remember. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's, I'm sure it was good, but <laughs> yeah. I don't, you know. Um, but then if it's important for that, that current session, they'll help me to cir- you know, circle back to that information to bring it through again. So it's not like, when I'm, once I'm in channel, you know, they, they can, the greater consciousness can bring through whatever needs to be brought through, but I don't have to remember it in my mind. Right. Right. So it's very interesting for me. I'm like, I'm like every second. I know she's just blowing our mind. It's (laughs) crazy. It's so interesting. I wonder, I like, it just makes me think about like what that has to do with like connectivity. I don't know. I'm an actor. So like there's the kind of this like thing that happens with actors. It's like when you had a really good performance you don't usually remember it and so I'm just I'm just thinking in my brain while I'm while I'm pondering here just like I wonder what that means for like a some sort of deep connectivity I don't know well I think you're connected into your like the true source of who you are and when you're acting in those times it's coming from that place of being in so alignment with your true, with your source, with your truth, with your authenticity, that you don't have to remember it because it's happening in such an organic, connected way. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, it's so cool. I to- I completely understand. <laughs> so yeah. cool. We're geeking out about yeah. Amy. We love her. <laughs> we love her. And Amy, before a session with someone or after, like, is there any That's sort awesome. of like? I don't know, ritual, like something that you do before or after to like er- erase that boundary that you've set, if that makes sense? Um, yeah. So before, no, I, I don't, um, because the connection is so immediate for me. Yeah. Um, I do try to sit, you know, just in quiet for a few minutes before a call. And I never back um, a book clients back to back because I feel like I need time to really make sure that one person's energy is is gone so that I can be fully present for each client. At the end of the session, it's really funny, and a teacher taught me this years and years ago, a very quick disconnection process is I, I sit and just pick five things about me that are me. So I might sit after a call is over and say, cool. I have curly hair, I'm wearing blue, you know, my toenail polish is chipping, you know, I can hear my dog snoring in the next room, like whatever it is that's in that moment, in that present right now. And it can just connects me back into me. Yeah. And that's it. And they can be really like, sometimes I just get really silly with it, but it's, you know, it just is that uh, demarcation point where the session's over. I'm back in my physical body as you know, me and my physical journey and then it's done. And if I don't think about the session, you know, within a half an hour, th- there, there is not much of the session that I'm going to recall. That's so yeah. interesting. Wow. Have you ever had any experiences that have stuck to you even beyond like trying to clear them? Um, something that just like wouldn't let you go? <laughs> well, there's been a couple. Um, so I have a little bit of my backstory is that in... Um, 
2011, my son went through a very serious health crisis Mm -hmm. and he, so it was a mental health crisis. And so there were several suicide attempts and hospitalization and a lot of, a lot of very traumatic experience for the both of us. Mm -hmm. And so because I do do a lot of work with clients who have had loved ones that die by suicide, those sessions tend to stick around a little bit longer. I think I have that kind of that mama's mama soul connection, you know, with these, with these, with these souls that have made a choice to leave the physical perhaps sooner than they planned or, you know, in hindsight sooner than they probably would have liked to. And, and it's very hard in my, you know, just in my humanness to not connect with the, 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 fact that that could have very easily been my own child. And so to me, those are the ones that stick, but, but I don't carry them around with me, you know, as in like some baggage, Mm -hmm. but I definitely have a heart connection, a deeper heart connection with both the client who's coming to have the reading and, and even almost more powerfully to the soul who's, who I've connected with. Wow. Yeah. And our, our missions align so deeply with yours with also wanting to, you know, end stigma with mental health to really provide support to make people feel less alone. So I think that's so beautiful. And how has the journey with your son, and I know I, from what we've looked into, you've also mm-hmm. had an experience with mental health. How have those things kind of reflected in the work that you do now? Well, uh, directly, because when I was going through the experience with my son, I st- and I didn't have a lot of firsthand experience with behavioral health or mental health mm-hmm. um, before this. I started to do what I always do, which is look for the people who've gone through the experience and be able to like have a conversation with them and come together in community with them to help support me through the process. Mm-hmm. And as I sat in these meeting rooms and in hospital facilities and I looked around at all the parents and families that were there supporting their loved ones through mental health crisis, I, I wondered who they were talking to, who, how they were communicating about it. And what I found was they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted so desperately to talk to another parent who was going through or had gone through a similar set of uh, circumstances. Mm-hmm. And I, I would ask, you know, my acupuncturist, my herbalist, my doctor, like, is there anyone that you could connect me with? And each time it was like the door kept slamming in my face, slamming in my face. And I realized that, well, if no one's talking about it, someone needs to be talking about it. And if it's not them, it who? And then of course the answer was me. Yep. And I actually started a blog as I was going through my son's experience just to be able to share out, like, this is what I'm learning as I'm talking to doctors and therapists and therapy and process and, you know, insurance companies and all of those things. But what it also, and this is really where it directly connects to the work I'm doing today, is that it, it, it allowed me to understand how important it was to speak about uncomfortable things yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. publicly. And, and, mm-hmm. and for me, it was really important to talk as much as I could, as often as I could about it to, to, you know, to destigmatize it, but also to honor my story. And even more importantly, to honor my son's story, that, that he needed to know that I fully saw him in his illness, Mm -hmm. and that I wasn't trying to pretend it wasn't happening, and that I wasn't being um, secretive about it. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, you know, that I wasn't ashamed of it. Yeah. And I wasn't, you know, and so it was from then that then when the sort of the realization that I was going to be doing more and more of the intuitive and mediumship work came about, I was like, oh, I can do this. Yeah. I can stand up and talk about uncomfortable, unpopular things, things that people don't all believe in and, and be comfortable or more comfortable with it than I would have been had I not gone through that experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's extremely powerful and important to talk about. And I mean, that's what me and Brenda are learning about how, you know, just being vulnerable, it opens the door for other people to heal as well. And it's just beautiful. And, And you wrote a book about it? 
I did. I wrote a book about it. Um, and, you know, it's really interesting because so many people who've read the book will email me or contact me through social media and say, I'm not ready to tell my story, mm. but hearing your story has changed my life. Wow. You know, and so even though they may yeah. still be living with this need to feel um, secretive and protective, and I, I understand it. I wanted nothing to, you know, no harm to come of my son by sharing the story. And there was a real balance there. Yeah. But it was so important to tell. And, you know, I feel that, and, and this goes right along with the work that you both are doing, is that when you go through a, a crisis or a traumatic experience or a heartbreak, something that's really painful, and you, you kind of start to come out the other side, every one of us finds ourselves at a crossroad. And that you can choose to let that crisis define you, or you can choose to let it transform you. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And I wasn't going to let it define me. Yeah. I, wanted, I needed to use it powerfully to transform not just my, my life experience, but to show others that you can go through really hard things and you can still live a joyful life of, of thriving mm -hmm. after. You know, it's not just like you come to the end of that chapter and then that's it for the rest of your life. It, it's, it's not like that. Yeah. It doesn't have to be like that. It can be. Some, and people, free will is an amazing gift that we're given as humans, and we all get to make the choice. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. I think everyone needed to, to hear, hear that, that in yeah. such, some capacity. Seriously, we are over here with, like, tears in our eyes. Friend <laughs> is like, I'm crying. I know. I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> Hold it together. Um, <laughs> no, but you are seriously, you're so inspiring. And I think on the mental health aspect of things, having a parent that – understands and isn't ashamed. I think that's a big thing when it comes to mental health mm -hmm. is this like shame mm -hmm. of, you know, they're not proud of me. They're ashamed of me. They're not happy. All these things I'm causing them pain, yeah. all these different things. So I think to feel that in itself from a parent is, is so beautiful. And then the work that you do as a medium, like I, I think about my mom and for years, ever since my grandpa passed away years ago now, I can't even probably like 12 years ago now, she's always had this feeling inside of her of like just wanting to know that he's okay and mm. the work that you do to give people that sense of peace to, to knowing that that person is okay um or whatever message that they they will be yeah. delivering through you is is just so powerful so yeah you're incredible <laughs> oh thank you and you know what's really beautiful is that and i can share this with everyone who's listening that everyone who transitions into non-physical regardless of what their life was like as humans is okay in fact, they're better than okay. Mm -hmm. They're living in their purest sense of being and there's no more pain and there's no more, you know, mental health issues and there's no more whatever their experience was. And, and sometimes this is a hard message for people to hear, but that it doesn't really matter. In fact, it doesn't matter the, who you were as a human in this life experience, all souls go into perfection. Yeah. All souls transition into perfection and are, and, and are able um, and willing and wanting and hungry to continue their evolution. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure people are, are yeah. thanking you for that message. So much. It's amazing. This has all been so incredible, Amy. On a little bit of a different note, uh, we know you have another book as well that talks about your transition between your career into what you're doing now. And it's something so, that we're finding coming up so much for women in their 20s. Could you just tell us a little bit about that book and that experience? And if you have any advice for the listening to what the world is telling you in in the respect of career and path? Yeah. Well, and I love that so much. The The book was a collaboration with a number of women who had some kind of big life shift in their business. So leaving, uh, leaving a corporate job and transitioning to their own business or starting another business or taking on a new venture. So it was really exciting to be part of that. For me, when I was in my 20s, I was climbing the corporate ladder in such a ferocious way. <laughs> I really had my sights set on, you know, lots of big things and and it was great. 
it was my passion and it was my purpose. And it was, I was so aligned with it for so many years. I think the thing that I wish I had known when I was in my twenties was that we, most of us, many of us will have more than one purpose. We'll have more than one passion and we can choose to completely 180 at any time we want regardless of what anyone else tells us. Mm -hmm. I climbed the corporate ladder and got to one of the highest rungs of the company. I was sitting at the executive table with the CEO of the company. I was, you know, I had millions and millions of dollars of budget and that I was responsible for and people and suppliers and all, all the stuff. And I realized that I had been working a very long time to climb a ladder that was against the wrong wall. You know, it was the right wall at some point. You know, I, there's not one step of my career trajectory that I say, oh gosh, you know, I wish I had done it differently. But that, you know, maybe, maybe recognizing that it was against the wrong wall would have been valuable earlier. But there was so much that I learned as I climbed the the rungs <laughs> against the wrong wall that I can't I can't look back and say oh I wish I had done something sooner wow. but I also was at a point where I I knew it so profoundly that I didn't have a choice mm -hmm. inside of me right my my guidance was like girl you got to go it's time it's time <laughs> <laughs> and and literally I quit a you know, an executive level job with two weeks notice and no job to go to. Wow. That was my journey. I don't, it's not for the faint of heart. And I don't <laughs> think that it's the right journey for everyone. Mm -hmm. But I think that as I look back, what I couldn't see along my path was the, the points in time where other things started to light my fire and be, be my passion. So as I said, I had this coaching practice on the side and I realized that I was working my corporate job for the paycheck and I was doing the coaching because it, it just made me feel mm -hmm. so good. Yeah. So that became, you know, my recognition that, oh, this, this was my passion. This was my purpose. And now it isn't anymore. And this other thing could very well be, let me explore it. Mm -hmm. And so while I kind of ripped the bandaid off and did it in that way, um, I think that I think that when and you said it so beautifully at the beginning was that you know when you start to hear even messages from other people that are validating what you've already been thinking about, it's it's a good thing to listen and you never have to make a, a, a jump off the cliff and hope the net appears move unless you feel called to, but start to explore it, do a little something on the side. See how it lights you up. You know, talk to other people that have started businesses or have changed careers midstream and see how it feels and felt to them, yeah. you know. And then the biggest piece of advice that I can give is don't listen to anyone else. When you know, when you're feeling it so strongly inside you, people often have such well-meaning opinions mm -hmm. about what's going to happen for you. I remember I had a very close friend when I quit my corporate job that said, what are you doing? You're going to end up bankrupt. You're going to be living on the streets. Like she was so worried, but it was her own story right. of what she thought would happen to her if she made the same decision that she was projecting on me. Yeah. And so well, very well-meaning and I love her, you know, I, I thanked her for being such a great friend and caring so much about me. And I just held true to what I knew was my next step. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. I love that. I think what you said about the, this was my passion and now this other thing is my passion is going to be very freeing for people mm -hmm. because I think a lot of us were like, yeah. well, but this has my, been my passion since I was 10 years old and like mm -hmm. how can I like how go I of go? that and it's so defining mm -hmm. but I think that that is so freeing I agree definitely yeah and I don't think this is gonna be my last thing yeah I'm kind of excited know. to see what my next passion will be and what my next purpose will feel like and definitely you know and and it's exciting for me to know that there are so many options and opportunities and probabilities yeah of yeah. where I can go from here yeah, I mean, you said it before, like the soul's per, like the soul evolves. Yeah. And yeah. 
sometimes we're so resistant to that in yes. our physical present human life, mm-hmm. but and we don't have to sabotage be like our own, yeah. <laughs> our own path. Yeah. Um, and I, and I know for myself, I, I am so aware that in the past I've held on to things yes. way longer than needed than than was needed but also that was good for me and that's jobs and relationships and you know mm-hmm. places where i lived and all of those things yeah to start to listen to the whispers of mm-hmm. huh maybe it's time to change and how can i do it you know step by step by step so that it's at your comfort level yeah. but also once you start to release the grasp on anything the doors of opportunity really do start to fly open. It's amazing. Definitely. And Mm -hmm. we are, of course, we want to respect your time, so we won't keep you much longer. (laughs) But you just feel like the perfect person to ask this to based on what you said. This is something we really struggle with. And I know people in their 20s of of all ages struggle with is how – kind of two ends of the spectrum, how do we, what advice would you give to someone who struggles with letting go of things, like releasing whether it's – thoughts or or whatever and then kind of the other spectrum of things really really overthinking and like all these what ifs like what do I do if this happens kind of I don't know over analyzing every aspect of your life mm-hmm. very relevant <laughs> very relevant yeah. to Brenda particularly yeah. <laughs> 100% well I would say that one of the things that I've learned on my own life on my own life journey here is that you can let go of resistance a tiny eek at a time like one little bit. But the key to letting go is to have the awareness that you're holding on. And so like once you see it, you can't unsee it. Or let go. <laughs> you know, and so you can choose to ignore it, but then your soul is going to be like knock knock knock, knock knock knock. You've been in this relationship too long. You've stayed in this, you know, place too long. But when you are able to really acknowledge and get honest with yourself and say, okay, I don't, I know that I'm not ready to make a change, mm-hmm. but I am, but I, but I am aware that I'm doing this thing. Mm-hmm. I am aware that I'm holding on to this, whatever, that's no longer serving me the way that yeah. it once was. And each time it comes up for you, it's almost this like mantra of, I, I'm aware of this holding on of this grasping. And as you do that, more awareness comes and it's, it can be a really slow unfolding process. As I said, you don't, none of us have to make a leap. You know, it's, it's, it's often, and and I, and the overthinking is, is a great question as well, because for me, it was more like, I know I need to change this. So I'm just going to jump, you know, and, and often then it created a lot of like, but what if this happens? And what if that happens? And, And so to answer that sort of that side of the question, it's, it's almost the same thing as what I was just sharing about the grasping. It's the awareness that you're trying to figure something out in your head that is only creating rumination and mm-hmm. it's blocking any kind of forward motion that can come in. Mm-hmm. And so having, again, that awareness of, oh, I'm doing it and not in a beat yourself up because you're a bad person because you're overthinking. I mean, likely you were conditioned from a very young age to look at every angle and every avenue and every choice and, you know, that that you maybe even feel like you can't make a bad choice because there's something like you're just not allowing, you're not allowed to make a wrong choice. And so by just acknowledging that you know that this is a belief that you hold that's, that's popping up and creating this ruminating, that creates space mm-hmm. for you to be like, but what if I don't worry about this for just a second, yeah. just a minute, just three minutes? Yeah. I mean, you can literally build it from like one moment at a time mm. until you start to realize that, you know, when I don't worry about this thing happening or worry that I'm making the wrong decision, I actually feel more relaxed and I get more inspiration Yes. of where I want to go and how I want things to unfold. Thank you so much. That's so helpful. I found incredibly that having, I have such a high level of self-awareness and it's been so beneficial to me, but it's gotten to a point where sometimes it's like detrimental because Mm -hmm. I know logically I have the capacity to make my life however I want it to be. So it has like 
caused me to think, oh, well, should this change? Should this change? And, you know, that's not always productive too. So my goal has been, especially after we saw our energy healer, to get mm-hmm. out of my head and live my life. <laughs> so mm-hmm. thank yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I had to ask. Amy, you have given so many wonderful pieces of advice, but I want to ask if you could tell 20s-year-old Amy one thing, what would you tell her? I would tell her that it's all going to be okay and amazing. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I love that. I love it. (laughs) And Amy, our last question for you is, is where can people find you and your content? Where can they connect with you if they would like to work with you? Yeah, great. I am on um, Instagram at MZ Amy White, Ms. Amy White. I'm also on Facebook at Amy White Medium. My website is amywhite.co. And on there is blogs I've written and information about the courses I teach and the events and different offerings that I have. That's the best way to get in touch with me, though. I answer all um, DMs through social as well, so people can reach out. Amazing. Awesome. Amy, thank, thank you, you so much. <laughs> thank you for sharing your gift with oh, us and answering all our questions. Everything. Oh, my gosh. We absolutely you are so love welcome. This. Oh, I <laughs> love it. The best time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to Roaring Twenties podcast. Be sure to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts, and please subscribe. You're never alone. Our pride sticks together. Tune in every Monday and Thursday for new episodes of Roaring Twenties podcast. You get to start your week with us and end your week with us with, with love, Brenda and Julia. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.